Hey friends, this is your pal Mike Shea from Sly Flourish. Here with another episode of Sly Flourish's Lazy DM Prep. In this weekly show, I go through steps from Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master while preparing for my Sunday D&D game. In this case, I am running the Kobold Press hardcover adventure Scarlet Citadel. This show, like all of the work of Sly Flourish, is brought to you by the patrons of Sly Flourish. If you want to get access to the City of Arches sourcebook, a whole bunch of exclusive adventures, access to a dedicated Discord channel, access to the monthly Q&A, and you want to help support the shows like this, you can do so by becoming a patron of Sly Flourish. The link is down in the show notes below. I have, I'm in an interesting spot with Scarlet Citadel. So the characters, we, we began the session. I remember last week when I was prep, when I was doing my prep, I was worried. They, they, they looked like some of the characters were going to run. And I was worried about what that would mean from the pacing of the game. I'm not worried about having the characters run, but I was worried about what that would do for the pacing of the game. And I thought, let me just put a couple of little motivators in there to try to help them not get, you know, try to give them reason to stay. One of them was that the jailer, this really nasty piece of work, is going to hook one of the characters and drag them into the room. And the other one is that the jailer's the jailer's right hand man, a an ogre, a red a red tusked ogre named Scar, uh, is going to come in from the other door. But I'm also going to have a, a like an, an unknown ally show up with some healing potions to kind of give them a boost. And it was like yakety sacks. It was like you know, if if you could if you could attribute a single song to the tactics of the characters, it would definitely be yakety sacks. They were all over the place. Half the characters were trying to run for the door. Half of the characters were running back in. Then they would switch, and the other half would run, and the other half would go in the door. And it ended up with them defeating Scar and the Jailer. They they defeated both of them. They used their healing potions. They they used things like Tasha's hideous laughter to knock knock the Scar on the ground and hit him a bunch. But they were very worried about it, and they saw that other people were running. And two of the characters ran completely they left and then three of the other characters stuck around and managed to fight the other ones and they defeated they defeated the jailer and they got everybody out and then they went back to town to red to red tower and the old man outside of the town who had told them like hey everybody's gonna die if you go down there he's like hey how'd it go he saw that only two of them were returning so how did it all go down there and they're like f you old man he's like ha 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 and he wandered away and then they so then they all met up at the bar and they're all kind of like sitting around the bar kind of contemplating like how did this go and it brought up a couple of interesting situations that i think i need to address in the beginning of the game i think i'm going to have to start it with a start with a let's pause for a minute before we get into the characters let's pause for a minute and talk about talk about what happened and talk about how let's talk about our feelings and it's because, like, I don't know if this is the kind of... There's there's a couple of circumstances. One is, do you want to have a game where half of the characters are willing to leave the other half in harm's way to, to flee for their lives? Is that what we want to... Is that what we... Do we want that to stay? It happened, and that's okay. And I think that's interesting character development. And then the drive could be like, but are you bound together and up as a group to basically say we're not... Unless the person's dead, we're not going to leave him behind. Like, they were willing to leave one of their characters... In the hands of the jailer, a known nasty torturer, and just run. And like, what does that mean for your friend, right? They were willing to do that. And so I think that there needs to be like a question of, are they willing to do that or not? And I think that, I think that's something we want to cover as players before we talk about it as characters. So I think that's one thing we're going to start with. The other, the other thing, which is a problem that I need to solve during my prep and, and running this campaign is, what motivates them to go back? So they just went in there. They managed to get out by the skin of their teeth. They had multiple characters down. They had almost many characters who were almost dead. And 
and why would they go back? And some of them are like, one of the characters is like, I've got so much money. I don't even, I got 57 gold. I've never had 57 gold in my life. I don't know why I would ever go back. And they're like, well, you did promise a, a god that you'd go and rescue them. And they're down in the basement. And she's like, yeah, I guess I'll do that. But there's definitely like, is that enough of like having the general quest? Is that enough of a motivation to put themselves in such dangerous situations? And I think this is kind of an issue with the adventure itself. The adventure really doesn't have very strong hooks for the characters to go down there. It doesn't have strong character hooks for the characters to go down there. So if you go down into these death trap dungeons and if you have characters who are dying, the logical answer for the characters is we probably shouldn't go back down there again. So how do you, you know, how do you, you want to have a motivation enough for the characters to be willing to go down into this place and kind of have to go down in this place. Maybe not even have to, but what what are you offering them that would motivate them to go to a place that's so brutal and where such terrible things have happened? And this is like the first encounter they had down in Scarlet Settles. The first monster they faced was the jailer, and they almost got killed. And now, the, and in reading the adventure, there's lots of things like this. There's lots of places where you face insurmountable odds. So how are you going to? So how are we going to handle that? And I think. I think one of the answers is better quests, that I want to offer better quests. And I have an idea that I want to think through. And I want to think through it today because today might be the good day to get those quests in front of them, which is the Kill Bill quest line. The Kill Bill quest line is you have like four or five villains on a hit list. And you know that these people are twisting and turning the very course of nature themselves. They are, they, are, they are damaging the land around it. They are, something terrible is growing and they're all responsible and they all exist down there in Scarlet Citadel and no one else will do it, but you need to go down there and stop them. And I think that Scarlet Citadel has a number of villains like this. And I think it might, one good motivation I think, is to just declare them so the characters know who these villains are, roughly where they are, and that they have to stop them. And so then they have a clearer motivation to go down there. They know, and they have clear progress that they're making. They know that once they defeat certain villains, they will have uh, they will get rewards for it and that they are progressing the overall the overall quest so i want to think about that today because i also don't want to spoil too much in the adventure i want to make sure that i've got stuff but i i'm in that following my own advice of like lean in on telling too much i think one way to tell too much would be to be like here are the villains and they have a they have they have a way to discover who these villains are when they go inside which i think they have enough motivation to go right now but we're going to start by setting up our new session notes template once again i'm always using as as typically i'm using notion to do my campaign planning if you're wondering wow what awesome tool is he using to do this i'm using notion and there's a link to how to use notion in the show notes below today's date is 6 november Sunday, Scarlet, Citadel. We will start by doing a review of the characters. We have Bart. Bart is played by Jay as a gear-forged bard diplomat. He, what, what is some, I think I asked some questions about the characters. Let's see if I have, I got what they got at third level, what they picked up. But he's, he's, he's not a noble, but he's definitely like kind of very interested in learning about what's going on. Very kind of happy-go-lucky guy. And as a bard, loves using spells like Tasha's Hideous Laughter and stuff like that. He's a big fan of using the crowd control spells. The, character, the player is. We have Dorn. Dorn Greycastle is a spirit from another world who has possessed a, a body and is a shade. 
he actually can now sort of shift that body in and out of, of phase. I think he's got new shade-like powers that he picked up at his most recent level. He hates it when anybody brings up the life of the body that he is inhabiting. And yet Mez, who is in charge of burying the person that, that he is inhabiting, refers to him often as the name of the, the body that's inhabiting, which, which always kind of he finds upsetting. Garble. Garble is the one who was almost left in the torturous hands of the jailer. Garble is a mushroom folk rogue, far traveler. He is going down into Scarlet Citadel to try to find a, a nice lair for his, trying to find a nice lair for his, his, his family, his group of, his group of, his group of folks. We have Mez Rumseleth, a Frostal fighter, par, par, parfumier, parfumier, parfum, parfumier. His job is to try to help people find the path of the dead, and I think there's going to be some interesting stuff because Karen. Charon is going to be a one of the major gods that's going to show up. And we're going to see more about Charon the god. Charon, Charon the god in this next session. Sister Malarkey Jones is a tiefling warlock cleric played by Jerry. She is a noble who has been kind of following randomness and kind of been interested in just sort of following her nose and seeing where it leads. And it has led here. And we have Skrink Skibbers. Skrink was a was a rat folk a rat folk rogue who became a wizard after being killed viced by cultists, and then found out that there is an entity known as the Weird Weaver who is being trapped down below in Scarlet Citadel and needs to be rescued. And that that is the primary that is sort of the primary motivation of the characters in this in this campaign. So there's a few. So those are the characters. Fun, fun group of characters that we have today. So, so let's see. I, I, I had an idea. I don't remember how I was going to use it, but one vehicle for them to kind of refresh and get more, get more information is by visiting their friend, whose name I forget, Tymon. So Tymon, the follower of the Weird Weaver is what is it called like when you're in sort of a, a religious state communing with the monument of the weird weaver beneath the temple of cores i believe in if we go down to red tower the map of red tower r2 is i believe the temple of cores no r3 is the ruined temple of cores yeah, right in the center. So there's a ruined temple, of course. And I said that underneath the temple, deep down below in the rock, is a chamber that's even older than all of the land around it. And it has a artifact in it, a, a monument to the Weird Weaver that's been there. It's almost like this weird... It sort of came out of, came out of, you know, came out of the world and they can feel ley lines getting sort of like pulled and pushed around this thing. They know that there, there, there's, ley, there's ley line magic around this thing. So I think that that, I, I think that he is communing. So that, that could be, if they talk to him, that can be kind of a strong, a strong motivator that like things are getting worse in, in the depths of Scarlet Citadel and it could twist the world around and it could twist the entire crossroads. That's more of a secret. So I think we'll cut that and we'll throw that in the secrets and clues. So that is, you know, sort of one way to sort of reinvigorate their reinvigorate their drive but i think we need to have a pause for a minute and the, this is sort of out of character the idea that a handful of characters were willing willing to flee from the battle with what's he, what's his name J the jailer is cool but we probably 
want to steer that back towards strengthening the group cohesion and loyalty to one another. As a group, do they want to choose the option that no, no one is left behind alive or you know, flee and save yourselves if desperation demands it. So, I mean, they, they could make that choice, but I, I you know, I, I feel like, you know, it wasn't, you know, I, I think it was, it was, it was Garble who was left behind and Garble never said, just leave me. I'll be fine. I'm a mushroom. Right. You know, he was like, Hey, where are you guys going? <laughs> Right, he's he is using a big corkscrew and driving it in my belly so he can rip the center. He can he can cork the center of my chest, and I don't I don't really like that. So I think that that's something we have to clarify. Then strengthening, you know, strengthening the heroic bond. And again, this is one where like I think I am, and 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 I I don't think this is going to be the only time that I'm conflicting with the philosophies of this adventure. The adventure is written to be this old school, you know, you're motivated to go because that's where the money is and that's where the adventure goes and things are very deadly. And, you know, it, 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 it has a touch of the antagonist DM philosophy wired into its writing and that's not my style. And I think I'm going to conflict with that. And one of the ways that I'm going to conflict with that is, is in this idea of making sure that there is motivation for them to go. And one of the ways, one of that, one of those conflicts could be, are they the heroes that the weird weaver believes are the only ones who could potentially be successful at solving this problem? I.e. that the plot is that you're saving the crossroads from twisted magic that's occurring down beneath Scarlet Citadel. You are, and you're rescuing an entity that has brought you back from the dead. That's a very heroic quest line. It's a very much like, you know, you're the ones to do this. It is not a, I guess like here's, here's two examples. It's Star Wars on one side and it's Firefly on the other side. In Star Wars, Luke is the guy. He's the son of the best Jedi that's ever lived, who also happens to be a villain, spoiler. And he's the one that can use the force to destroy the star, to, to destroy the Death Star and save millions of lives and end the Empire. He's the one dude, right? He's the, he's the hero who's going to do this. He's not just some random guy. But then you look at Firefly and they're just some random people. They are family. They connect together, but they're not the only ones. And their job isn't saving the entire universe. Their job is to do odd jobs around the galaxy or around the solar system. So that, you know, you can kind of do both. But part of it is like if you were going to do the latter half, if you were going to run an adventure, the latter half, and if I was going to run this adventure and they said, you know what, Scarlet Citadel seems like a terrible place. We're not going down there again. You'd want to have other adventures for them to go on. You wouldn't be like, okay, you're not the only ones to do it. But if I, if I want to steer them towards going into Scarlet Citadel, going with the hero part of it, that like the weird weaver thinks you're the only ones who can really go down there and solve this problem. Nobody else has really gotten as far as you. They all have just gotten butchered, but you're in the place. I need your help to go do this. You know, that's definitely focusing on that, on that, the heroic, the heroic aspect of it. 
which I think is different than the philosophy that the adventure holds. So am I going to struggle with that if I make that choice? I'm not sure. But I think I think that's where I'm going to lean towards because I tends to be the kind of adventures that I want to run. Because I also think fifth edition is built that way. You look at all of the powers and all the capabilities that the characters get. They're very heroic characters. They're not... They're not struggling. Like once they get to fifth level, they're superheroes, right? They're doing crazy stuff. They're throwing fireballs around. They're charm personing. They're heroic, pat, you know, hypnotic pattering stuff. So they've got a lot. So I think that idea of, I think we're going to start with the pause for a minute. And then Timon is going to commune. You are the heroes I need to, to, to break my bonds and save the crossroads. From the twisted magic of Scarlet Citadel. So we're reinforcing that quest. But then I think, so first scene, pause for a minute. And the question is, how do we want to handle leaving people behind? And then meeting with Timon at the monument of the Weird Weaver. Return to Scarlet Citadel. Do I want to have an event along the way? Maybe event along the way. Or do I not really, do I want to keep things moving? I don't know. Put an event along the way question mark. And then return to level one and meet. And now they're going to meet an, an important NPC in level one. And she's the one that might be able, they know about her. Ushlux. And I think I have a picture of Ushlux. I do. So there's a picture of her. She hates the jailer. So the question that I have is, what does she know? And, and how does she act? I had a really great, it's so sad. I had a really great character archetype that I was going to use for her. And, and then I lost it. I can't remember who I had in mind. But I had somebody in mind. And, and I can't remember who it was. But she's pretty nonchalant about the characters. She doesn't think the characters are these superheroes. Non, you know, I don't know how to spell chalant, nonchalant. I can't spell. Hey, look, thank you, spell checker. And I think, so when we think about her, we, we, you know, what, what's written in the book is that she despises the jailer. I guess she's mostly interested in hanging out up here, uh, kind of understanding, understanding Karen, you know, Karen and the domain of death. She venerates Karen in the domain of death. So she's not really a blood cultist. She's a death cultist. Ushalex. Venerate of... I don't know if venerate is a worshiper of... Worshiper of Karen. Charon. Karen? Karen or Charon? Hard C or soft C? Perceives the river as a metaphor for the blood flowing through artery and connected to the dry lands because of proximity to the shrine. And the... So all very interesting stuff here. A lot of lot of detail in this in this hard C long O, but it's spelled C H R U N. So I don't know if it's a long O. She hates the jailer. She was happy to get rid of him. She argued with the jailer continually, but her magic kept her, you know, kept her protected from the jailer. The jailer the jailer kind of feared her, and no particular animosity to the characters unless they give a reason to. What does she know? Ushalex is helping the characters doesn't mean she's had a change of heart. She explains that she's always wanted to explore them. So she, she tries to steer them into, um, she tries to steer them down to it. The question is, it's possible that given where she is, does she know, what does she know about the rest of Scarlet Citadel? And does she know the other 
mages, the other, the other people that are here and what they're doing. And I think this would be a good way for her to say like, here, you, you want to stop the dark magic that's going on below. Here are the people you want to, you want to stop. And she could give their, she could give their names. And those include Kagoth Z is one. Do I not have a picture of Kagoth Z? I know there's one in here. So Kagoth Z is one of them. Doneska Maxilov is another. And what is Maxilov? Kagoth Z, undisputed man, agent of Gellert the Gruesome, right? I think he's a wizard. We are, oh, he's the time, the time mage. Oh boy, right? The master of time. Doneska Mask, uh, Maxilov is the, mis- the master of oozes, I think. Right? I think she's the one that's doing a bunch of weird ooze stuff. Yeah. So she's the one that's doing all kinds. She's doing a bunch of stuff with oozes. She's got little bombs. Then we have, let's see, if we go on the other, we go to the other levels. So I don't think there's, on the Dwarven Barracks side, I don't think there's any individual individual boss. This is the one that's been taken over by Trollkin and Darrow's, I think it is. Is it Trollkin and Darrow's? I don't know if this is the one that has Darrow's in it, but it's got Trollkin. It's got definitely got a bunch of Trollkin forces that are going around. But I don't think, I think that that's more like you have to get through here to get lower. I don't think there's a boss here that Gellert the Gruesome cares about. I'm trying to think of like who are Gellert the Gruesome's people. What's this stuff with about the pale circle? The tomb of Chancellor the Pale. Yeah, I don't I don't know if that's a one of the bosses. So you can always add these questions. I don't have to have like a boss in every level. And they can learn about like other commanders and stuff like that. The question is like who are the main drivers of the villainy that's going on in Scarlet Citadel? Am I already on chapter four? Did I did I go down to chapter four? No, this is still wow. Big level. Undead and Trollkin. Lots of places down there. That'll be a fun level to explore. So the the bat caverns, this is where I think it's it's two different two different Darrow things. This is definitely something you could play off like a good but not the good and bad and the ugly, but the fistful of dollars or a few dollars more. Or Sanjiro and Yojimbo, you know, working the two different Darrow groups off of one another. But I again I think there's no main boss on this level. Kamazots is a is a god. There's a devil in there, huh? Crystalline devils. Cool. Who's that? Immorta the Debased. So who is she? So Immorta the Debased. Disciple is another one. Man, my spelling sucks. There we go. And I just saw a picture of her, didn't I? I think she's like second in command. Yeah, she's Gellert's top disciple. She's kind of a doer. She sort of moves around different places. She looks cool. So I'll stick a picture of and more to the, the debased in there. And then there's Gellert. And Gellert wanders around on levels five and six. And that's Gellert, right? So that gives us four villains that they can learn about and that they can hunt down. Two of those are on level two. And then three and four, they have to get down. And five is where they would actually interact with these. And then six is where they actually deal with the, the, the final stuff. So is that enough? Is that enough of a motivation for them? They'll, like, they'll know that they have to stop this. They will also, they will also know, you know, 
who's involved. Yeah, so lots of people in chat are saying like, well, what about, there's like, there's other named villains and there are. The question is, are those named villains responsible for the twisting of terrible stuff that's going on in Scarlet Citadel or are they just like local lieutenants? Because these are, these are, you know, these are the lists of the people that are actually actively screwing with the ley lines. They are, you know, they're, they're, they're the ones kind of tearing apart the fabric. Probably not so much Dineska, but maybe because she's got that big forge and stuff like that. But I don't think there's anybody on levels three and four that are doing that, but they have to get through levels three and four in order to get, in order to get to five. So I think that these are like the four, the four true villains of Scarlet Citadel. And, you know, the jailer was another one, although they defeated him already. And I think the other one is, is, is her, Ushalux. Like, I think she wants to twist it into something terrible too, but she might not, you know, I don't think that's going to come across, but they might end up fighting her. I think if we, if we, I swear there was a picture of, of, well, I know there was of, let's see, I kill my search window here. She's a, she's a whack, she's a wacky one. So we have, that's Dineska. And Dineska is probably the least dangerous of them. She just loves oozes. The time guy is really dangerous. So there are certainly other like villains that they're going to fight. There's other groups they have to deal with. That looks like a Shogoth. Yeah, so there's... That's Kagoth Z, right? Warper of Time? Twister. Twister of Time. So is it safe to say, like a secret could be, and this can kind of get the quests in front of the characters, are four wizards... Are they wizards? Sages? What are they? Sages and alchemists reside in the depths of Scarlet Citadel. Each of them twists the power flowing through the ruins in dangerous ways. Kagoth. Why is Kagoth Z not coming up? Whoops. Kagoth Z operates. And what is level two called? Level two has a name. The Arcane Scriptorium. Obsessing about the magics of worlds lost long ago. Empires, right? Worlds of empires. Isn't Dineska? Oh, God, I suck with names. Yeah, D-A-N-A-S-K. Resides in the, and it's called the Alchemist's Furnace. Forging new horrors. Where's the other one? Oh, you know what? I bet it in Marker's an NPC. Immorta the Debased serves the master of Scarlet Citadel and Gellert. Gellert the Gruesome twists time and space itself to serve his selfish drive for power. He holds my bonds. He holds the bonds of the Weird Weaver and a bunch more. So a trick here is I, I'm reading ahead in the adventure. One of the things about Gellert is that Gellert actually approaches the characters at a point and he says like, hey, we're, you know, he, 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 like they meet him and talk to him. And I don't know, like if they know he's a villain, aren't they? But it's like, attack, like let's just stop him right now. So I'm going to have to worry about it, but maybe that's a problem for later. So I think... Exposing these secrets, I don't think, are so bad. She 
acts as the voice and fist of Gellert on levels four and five. Is she at three? I think she's three, four, and five, right? She, she, his experiments reside on level six. So you're kind of, you know, you're, you're kind of exposing the structure of the Citadel, but in some cases, and you might be like, oh, that's a spoiler. You're like, they're going to learn all about who's where and what's going on. But I think sometimes players just want to know what the structure is of what they're playing. And if you play your cards too close, they don't understand what they're really doing, right? They get lost by, by, by what, but if you say like, there are six levels to Scarlet Citadel, there are four bosses plus others, you know, that, that exist there and they, here's where they are roughly. Then that gives them, oh, okay, let's take care of these four guys, right? We, we know, we know where we're going. We know what we're doing. And so, so I think that, I think that, I think that can work. I'm going to take a quick break. I will be back in just a couple minutes and we will continue onwards. Marker. Be right back. I am back. So one of the things I'm a little worried about, and I have to consider, when, when you put quests like this, when you show people the structure of what they're playing, and you put quests like this in front of them, the, the risk is that they focus on that and they ignore everything else. And there's so many other things going on in this place that you don't, you don't want to lose that opportunity for them to explore. So on top of these quests... You also want to say like other treasures and mysteries seek to other treasures seek to be found and other mysteries seek to be unraveled within the ancient halls. Do not what do you want to say? Do not fear these other do not fear these other paths. You may have more than one destiny. To discover here so you know all of these things i think are like the all these secrets i'm bringing up and normally we don't tie the secrets to any specific thing but i have a feeling they're going to learn these things both from the weird weaver and also likely from ushalux and and that's going to kind of drive them so sometimes and, and i'll just tell the players like by the way there are other things to do here. You, you are not, you, you do not have to just focus exclusively on taking care of these four villains. There are other things that you can do here as well. Other, other things to explore. Uh, other weapons to discover. Other weapons to discover and wield. What other, so let's see, that's seven secrets. What other secrets can they learn? This is you know, likely things that they're going to learn in level one. Oh, of course, we have a few. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cheat and I'm going to steal them from last week's game. There was a bunch of stuff about the the Deadlands. The Deadlands? This is my current one. The Drylands. So they didn't learn any of this stuff. Oh, look at all these secrets. Man. All right. You know what? I'm going to grab all of them and move them in here. And then we're going to look at what we need. Western Side of the Crypt, that, that we need. Rife with Undead, that we need. Drylands, yes. Evermaw, yes. Many believe Scarlet Citadel is dead or stagnant. They couldn't be more wrong. That's happening. Ah, it's pretty good. Closing the portal requires more than just traditional magic. Yeah, we want to move this to up so it's closer to that. Ushlux is the blood clothes of Venerix. Charon, we don't need that because they, they met Ushlux. They're going to learn more about that. Charon is the god of death, master of the river Styx and Leth, guardian of souls, watcher of the door, patron of sailor and grave, grave diggers. Yes, look at us with our page numbers. Charon oversees the passage of souls, the birth of death. I took that right from the book. Lux. 
Perceives the river as a metaphor for blood flowing through arteries. I took this right out of the book. Phyllis, the, the philosophy is heretical. Yep. Statue is created and placed here by elves. Yep. Another powerful wizard resides in the chambers known than Chaos Sea Twister of Time. We don't need that anymore. Powerful wizard, but completely obsessed with acquiring knowledge of the elves. We could keep that in. Boy, we went from no secrets to like tons of secrets. So fantastic location-wise, we have the, where they're, they're level one that they're going to discover. And I think she is going to talk to him about this stuff. And then I think that she is going to send him to those catacombs, which is like a terrible place to send them. And she's like, I just want to see what you do. And they can learn about the dry lands in there. I'm losing. So let's see. They did the frog shrine. The shrine to Karen, 107, page 45. That is a, a location. And then we have the crypts, which is 113. Oh, I guess that was page 42. This is page 45. And if we look at the map in the lower, we got a map right down there. We can see that there is a stairwell that leads down. Oh yeah. So there isn't it, there's like a place that blows up here. It's that, it's that I grabbed a cup and drank it and I thought it was tea and it was coffee. And I'm like, that's not what I expected. It's good though. Room 110. Let's look at room 110 here for a second. Cause I think some crazy stuff is supposed to happen there. Water torture chamber. Oh yeah. This is one where it turns into a mud method. If they explore that, I don't know if they're going to explore that, but that is the, that is the passage way down and she probably knows about it, but I think she's going to say, go through that door and check out the shrine. They might lurk around in there a little bit, but they might also pass and go downstairs. So we'll see. And then they go down to level two and then we run level two and see what's, see what's going on down there. I have piles of NPCs. I'm just going to keep them in my, what is her name? Ushlux is there. I think kind of benchmark, they are, oh, that's one thing I really need to pay attention to is leveling because when should they, I, I'm trying to figure out like the quests that I give them and the levels that they gain, when does that happen? And there is a table in here that describes it. So here's the expected level, expected character level for the, for the, for the given level. So there's supposed to be 10th level by the howling. So it should be getting levels pretty quickly. So they are. They reached third level defeating the Jailer. So I think defeating both, do I want to slow it down, keep them at third level for a while? And, it, and they, you know, defeating the first two bosses, get them to fourth level. And then traversing, then they'll get other new quests that will take them to further levels. Or do I want to hold that back? I don't necessarily have to tell them that they're going to get a certain level at a certain at a certain quest. I think I think I can hang on to that, but I'll probably I don't know. If you were a player, would you want to know that defeating the two the two, you know, nullifying the work of the two wizards on the second floor is what's going to get you to fourth level? Or that'll get you to fifth level, right? Cuz they're supposed to be they're supposed to be fifth level by the time they hit the Dwarven barracks. So they could get to fourth level defeating the next boss and fifth level defeating the one after that. And that would then they would be equivalent to the fifth level. I assume that the levels are the level that they should be when they get to that section. So by the time they're getting down to the third level, the fourth, let's say that's zero, first, second, third. So the, by the time they get to Dwarven Barracks, they should be fifth level. So I think tying a level to each of the bosses is pretty good. I think we'll do that. There's four bosses, that's four levels, and then they'll get other levels for doing other things as well. I think I think that that would I think that that would work. So the benchmark right now, they are five six level 3 characters. 6 times 3 is 18, 18 divided by 4 
is 4.5. So the Deadly Encounter benchmark is 5. And monsters, we'll just use what's, we'll figure it out it's in the book. I'm not going to worry about that right now. One thing I want to do for Fantastic Location is we were talking about a potential encounter along the road. So we're going to use, this is going to be available. So patrons can already get access to this. If you go to your Patreon page and you click on rewards, you click on the one rewards, rewards post, it's listed there. It's also, we talked about it in Discord, but I'm going to be sending out a Patreon notice tomorrow. Tomorrow's Monday? Tomorrow with this link and then two other big Patreon things too. New City of Arches stuff that's coming out that is out. And it's actually, oh no, is it in the book yet? I think it's in the book, but I got to fix some stuff. But that's coming out and a preview of uh, another product, another thing that I'm working on with a couple of partners with Scott Gray and Teo Sabadia and I are working on a thing and we are sending previews of that out. So that's all going to be on the Patreon. This is a the Lazy DM Generator. It is a way to generate all different kinds of stuff. And we're going to create a monument set in Midgard uh, we'll use deep magic just in case there's a spell. And we have an ancient temporal throne of Mavros, the city master of war. Uzi Ruby skull of Hectate, the city bringer of magic. That's kind of cool. Astral defiled battlefield of, of Baco, the elven god of poetry. I kind of like the Hectate bringer of magic. Oozing Ruby skull of Hectate, the city bringer of magic. So that is a location. Whoops, I lost it already. And then if you drop an encounter, I guess I should have started with that. Goblins are engaged in a ritual at, in a, at an oozing glass barrow of Beset to the southern goddess of cats and hunters. That's kind of fun. Hellhounds are preparing an ambush at a shadowy, hallowed altar of Thos Hermes, the god of knowledge and learning. That could be fun. Dire wolves are in a battle with thugs at an eldritch dreamscape throne of the hunter. That's pretty cool too. Those are, I, I like those. That's fun. So the way this, you know, the idea is you, you pick an encounter type. So you want to have like an event that's occurring at a monument. You click on the campaign setting. We picked a Midgard that sort of themes the location. You can deep magic as if they're burying an object or something like that. And we could even drop an item in there. So a Cyclopean ghoulish scroll of Valerish, the Elven Supreme Archer. That's funny. That casts Creeping Ice. What does Creeping Ice do? It is a second level spell. Covers five foot range. That's kind of fun. I like that. A ghoulish scroll. I don't know that Veilresh, this Elven Supreme Archer, is right, but we could pick another. We could pick another god, but we'll drop that in as an item. See, this one is 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 better. Vardazane uh, makes more sense for this. Cyclopean ghoulish scroll of Vardazane, the ghoul god of bottomless maw, because it's ghoulish. A weird ancient scroll. Titanic clockwork stone disc of Veilish, the Elven Supreme Archer. It's sort of like that cast cobra fangs. That's cobra fangs. Target to grow snake-like fangs. First level transmutation. That's fun. That's a fun little object. I think, I like the cobra fangs part. A shadowy goblinate vial of the goat of the woods. This is better. Queen of decadence. We're going to drop this in. What's reign of blades? Let's take a look at reign of blades. Fifth level. 150, blades fill 150 square feet. 60, that's, that's, gone so we're not we're not doing that but we'll do cobra fangs cobra fangs is fun that's fun do one more treasure fairy gnomish icon of thoth hermes that casts innocuous aspect what does innocuous aspect do oh that's fun that looks cool sure so we got some treasures i've got like a fun little encounter on the way not gonna worry about monsters we'll figure that out as we go and i think we're pretty well set 
so I got piles of secrets to learn. I've got some framing of the uh, campaign that I want to do with the characters to kind of start off with. And I think we are ready to go. So with that, we will end today's show. So I want to thank everybody for hanging out with me today. It has been a, always a great pleasure. If you enjoyed this show, sub consider subscribing to the Sly Flourish newsletter where you get a weekly D&D-related article sent right to your inbox along with a free adventure generator PDF. You can support me directly on Patreon. You get access to that generator I was just showing. You also get access to all kinds of other stuff. People have been talking about what a fantastic deal it is. It really is a fantastic deal. You get lots and lots of stuff for not a lot of money. So check out the Sly Flourish Patreon. That's in the show notes below. And of course, you can pick up any of my books, including Return of the Lazy Dungeon Master, the Lazy DM's Workbook, and the Lazy DM's Companion, all in beautiful print versions at the Sly Flourish Bookstore. That is all. All of the links to that are in the show notes below. Thank you all very much. Have a great day, and get out there and play some D&D.